Hi everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Therapy Explained podcast. Today I'm joined by Anne-Marie Shepherd. Anne-Marie is a CBT therapist and founder of the Cork Centre for CBT, a CBT service based in the heart of the city. She has over a decade of experience as a therapist, is a clinical supervisor and has recently contributed to RTE's Primetime on the topic of mental health during a pandemic. We discussed what CBT is, what a course of CBT looks like and the types of problems it can help. I hope you find this episode enjoyable and informative and if you do, please subscribe, review and share. Hi Emery. Hi there James. Uh, thanks for joining me today Emery. Emery uh, is a CBT therapist based in Cork and uh, today we're going to spend a bit of time talking about CBT and um, try to understand it a little bit better. Um, uh, over to you, Anne-Marie. Uh, could you, would you mind telling me a little bit about your background, how you got into CBT before we spend a bit more time talking about CBT? Yeah, sure. Um, well, there's there's kind of a lot of routes to um, to, to, to qualifying in uh, as a CBT therapist. And, and I suppose my own background is in, in social work. Um, so I qualified as a social worker back in the day, back in the 90s, and I, I worked um, initially uh, with, with child and family services, um, and then I moved to, to adult mental health services. And um, so it was there, uh, while I was working in the HSC, that I, um, that I trained as a CBT therapist in, in Cork. Uh, and at the time, training was offered through at uh, the, uh, the Department of Applied Psychology in UCC. Um, so, so that's where I trained, um, was able to have training uh, at clients in, in, um, in my post within the HSC. Uh, and that was a, a two-year training and I worked then towards uh, accreditation. So, so that's sort of my, my route in uh, to, yeah. And you were, were you based in the UK for a while? Am I right in assuming... Yeah, well, it was it was kind of shortly after I I qualified. Um, well, twenty eleven actually that I moved to the UK. Um, uh, that's just just because my husband was uh, was working from there. Um, so so that's when I I became familiar with IACT or the Increasing Access to Psychological Therapy Initiative. Um, delivered by the the NHS I got a post um, within the NHS as a high intensity therapist Um, and many of the the high intensity therapists um, in in that service are are CBT therapists so I suppose that's something that you and I have in common James Um, yeah yeah Um, I've done my time in the IAP services um, which uh, maybe some people out there listening may be aware of but uh, probably a lot of people scratching their heads when we say IAP services. IAP, um, yeah, it's hmm. quite different to over here. So you know, um, basically, what 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 it might mean to 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 a member of the public, or you know, um, would be that if if I feel that I need some psychological therapy for any kind of issue, um, then I can be referred either by my GP or I can self refer. Uh, for an evidence-based uh, psychological intervention or a talking therapy, really, and that that's really available on the NHS. That's really what it means. And it, it really um, is a, a remarkable service. Um, when I worked yeah. over there, I mean, it, it has its criticisms, particularly from the inside, I think, 
and and you know some of them are due but when you think about it what it offers you know anyone can in england at least can access psychological therapy over the phone face to face or in groups and um, and it can be a bit of a wait but you know it's 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 readily available um which yes. I th- i'm pretty sure it's like a, a flagship worldwide in terms of accessibility you know other countries have it on some scale but i don't think quite to the scale that the uk has and it's a uh, it's kind of interesting because it's been there for about 13 years i think it was 2008 when they started it and mm-hmm. you know you think oh maybe ireland's maybe five years behind the uk 10 years behind the uk well it's in terms of providing that it's at least 13 years because it's it's quite far off offering uh, anything even kind of similar yeah uh, absolutely yeah i mean i think that the uk the nhs are world leaders in in that respect um and and you might have thought yeah that that others would follow suit but for whatever reason that hasn't really happened um but we certainly do look to the uk in terms of best practice um that that whole i suppose rollout of, of this service over the past 13 years is can be considered to be like this massive research project. We're getting so much data from it in terms of what interventions work and um, for who and um, timings and, um, and and tracking people and and disorder specific, I suppose, interventions like what works best. So we're benefiting, we're gleaning an awful lot of information from that, that research project, if, if you'd like to, to call it that. But, but on the ground, it just means that, that people, ordinary people, um, can access psychological therapy as and when needed. Um, and it's not a one-time thing. They can, you know, they can have it repeatedly with, with obviously intervals in, in between. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic resource. But, I mean, it's sort of born from this, this understanding that, you know, like you look after the mental health of the nation, and, and, you know, um, and a lot will follow from that if, if you ignore it. Um, even if you look at it purely from an economic point of view, um, it, it pays dividends to, to invest in <clears throat> the mental health um, of, of your people. So, um, so the NHS are doing quite a, quite a good job in, in that respect. Yeah. And not to spend too much time um, promoting and promoting the <laughs> NHS, but, uh, you know, equally, I mean, when I did my training, it was all paid. You know, I was paid to do the low intensity training, which is kind of like CBT light in a sense. And then I was paid to do the CBT training, um, which is, you know, uh, really incredible, you know, um, compared to, again, not using all as Ireland as a, a measuring stick, but... Uh, you know, you'd pay for a two years master's probably yourself um, compared to what I had on offer. So it, uh, it was a really good experience and very tough. Maybe one of the hardest jobs I've done, but because uh, I think the learning curve was so steep. But yeah, kind of really yeah. Yeah, invaluable. Yeah, I mean, when I worked in the NHS and working alongside trainees, I really felt for them. It was like CBT. They went to CBT boot camp. That was their high intensity training. Or, or their PWP, you know, you call it CBT light, but wow, you know, it was intensive training whilst working at the same time. Um, and, and it was very robust, very thorough kind of training. You're definitely then thrown in at the deep end. But wow, they, they produce some some great therapists. Mm. For sure. well, 
how about we put that training to the test and to see yeah. how much we know about CBT? <laughs> know, yeah. um, so maybe if we kind of get an idea of, you know, what is CBT, uh, Emery? Because I guess I appreciate CBT can be lots of things and, you know, maybe we'll try and uh, help our listeners understand that. But broadly speaking, at least, what would be your take on what CBT is? Okay, well, well, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. And, and the cognitive there really is, is um, represents, you know, what goes through our mind in, in terms of thoughts. And, and thoughts can be words, they can be sentences or images or, or a combination of those. So like to, to break it down into its simplest form, right, um, I use a triangle. So you, you, if you can sort of imagine me drawing out a, a triangle, and on, on each of the points, you've got like either thoughts, you've got feelings, or you've got, got behavior, right? Um, and then for, for any given situation, moment to moment in our day or in our, our week, in our lives, um, there's going to be a connection between what we think, what, what we feel, and, and what we do. Um, and, and CBT is really, really interested in those connections as being either helpful to us uh, or not. Um, and if they're not helpful to us, um, then it, it sets about changing our relationship with those thoughts, uh, with our own feelings and, and, uh, and physical sensations and with what we do or, or, or we don't do. So, so I guess, you know, it, it, it's best explained by, by using an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, can you think of a typical example um, or, or a situation, James, even in, in I suppose, um, something that's fresh in your memory from this morning? I, I won't put you on the spot too much. Um, but, uh, oh. <laughs> well, I've uh, definitely had lots of uh, uh, my one-year-old not sleeping last night. My negative yeah. thoughts probably increased a little bit more. But There's a situation, um, right? Mm, yeah. Let me kind of think now. I might make one up, um, although I'm sure there's some reality to it. It couldn't be too made up. Um, let's say I, I text Anne-Marie and I ask Anne-Marie, Anne-Marie, do you want to um, join me on this podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it goes for a couple of days. Anne-Marie doesn't text back. So I start to think, oh, no, um, you know, uh, maybe I've done something to upset Anne-Marie. Uh, maybe she uh, doesn't want to do this. Um, and then I feel, uh, I feel a bit down, a bit dejected um maybe a bit angry um and then what do i do maybe i notice i kind of ruminate on that a little while i put off what i'm doing um i uh maybe i avoid asking emery about other things and maybe even when i when i see emery the next time i'm a bit short a bit snappy or maybe i'm the opposite i'm kind of a bit over the top okay perfect perfect example. I do a good job <laughs> <laughs> good job james so yeah, we've got a situation and, and it's the podcast, you know, um, so, you know, you, you text me, um, you're not getting a reply straight away uh, or for a couple of days and, and, and there we have the connections in terms of the thoughts, oh no, Marie's not interested. I mean, there's a whole series of thoughts there, aren't they? Aren't there, you know, that, that are, that are mainly negative um, and those thoughts then connect directly to how you feel. You know, you're feeling down, you're feeling angry, dejected, rejected, and maybe you're going to feel something physically as well. 
um, and the behavior then is to avoid or to maybe even imagine, well, when I see Anne-Marie next, well, you know, I'm just not going to be that friendly because she's not that, <laughs> you know, approachable. Um, so so far, I was working with, with you as a client and, and we were looking at that as, let's say it was a typical example of, of a cycle that you kind of couldn't get out of. Because, you know, we can always go through and have these initial reactions that aren't that helpful, but we can kind of then quickly move on. And, and a lot of the people we, we see are, are stuck in these, these cycles that, they, that they're finding it more difficult to move on from um, and they're recognizing as unhelpful. So, so what we're going to do in CBT is, is we're going to help them uh, to, to have an awareness of what's going on and, and then to, to, to find ways to break up that cycle. Um, so, you know, it's a talking therapy. It's a very collaborative talking therapy. It's a therapy that's, uh, you could call it a doing therapy because it's all about change. Um, so it's not about just talking and, and processing things, which can be really helpful, but but it is about, you know, um, actually making real uh, meaningful change in line with somebody's personally chosen goals. And those goals could be anything. Um, so it might be in this particular instance, well, you know, I've gotten into this pattern of avoiding Anne-Marie now, my colleagues, you know, when, when they don't respond to my emails, um, that's probably not going to be very workable for somebody who's working, let, let's say, on a team. Um, so we, we would put our heads together as a, as a therapist and client and figure out ways of understanding this and, and breaking that up. Um, and I'm going to come back to a couple of points uh, uh, there, Anne-Marie. So one, you know, how do we get to know our, our thoughts or how do we get to recognise these patterns and how do we break them up? Um, but just, uh, I'm just going to put a pin on those for a moment because something you said there made me think about something I've, I've been thinking about recently in terms of CBT. Do you know, it's, it's described as a, a talking therapy, which it is. Um, and I guess from my own training and my own research into other therapies, um, sometimes they can say, for example, EMDR or something I'm trained in. And it, I did some training recently. Well, it was a webinar I attended for something called brain spotting. So both of those would be kind of trauma informed therapy where they'd see it as kind of being a, a deep rooted uh, trauma informed mm-hmm. uh, type of therapies where the problems are rooted in traumas. Um, and, you know, a lot of them, they kind of focus that it's uh, that maybe talking therapies don't get to the root of the problem because when we're talking, we're just using maybe the verbal part of our brain rather mm-hmm. than the whole brain. And there was a time where I thought, okay, yeah, no, that's fair enough. I can kind of see what they mean. But then it, I was thinking about actually with CBT, if this is probably maybe more my slant on it, I'd see it very much as a change-based therapy, maybe even more than uh, talking therapy. Um, and that made me think about, yeah, do you know when, when you combine the, the change aspect of it, that's when it becomes more than just a verbal. That's when you get the whole body. When, you know, when you're exposing someone to, to situations that they're in, um, when that fight or flight response is triggered and then when it's mm-hmm. done repeatedly without the negative consequences they might be expecting, you know, you reach habituation, the, the fight or flight response reduces, you feel calm, those negative thoughts you have uh, that you may have had seem to reduce, they're not as strong, they're not as frequent. Um, and I guess I wonder is that sometimes something that is uh, uh, maybe an incorrect assumption around CBT that it's all about challenging our thoughts and thinking positively is probably... Uh, a bit of a cliche that is uh, thrown around that is done incorrectly. But I um, wonder what your thoughts on that, Maria. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. You know, um, you know, you, you you say, well, it's more than maybe a talking therapy. And, and, and as you're saying that, I'm sort of thinking, well, what would I see if I if I was looking in, if I was a fly in the wall in a, in a CBT therapy session? Well, I might see quite a bit of movement, you know, and sometimes I might even see the the therapist or the client in the room because they might be <laughs> in a park <laughs> yeah. or a supermarket, yeah. you know. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, I might see if they are there that they're their heads down, that there there's a bit of writing going on, that there's a bit of physical movement in terms of maybe use of a of a whiteboard. Um, so so yeah, it is it it is it, it is literally a, a very active kind of of therapy. Um, and and you talk about you know it it not just being about challenging thoughts. Um, yeah, that that that's very true. Um, I suppose particularly in, from my training because my training would would have been very strong on the behavioral aspect of CBT and behavioral strategies. Um, and of course, it isn't just about positive thinking, and it, and it is actually often described as you know um, uh, wanting to achieve positive thinking, but actually. Probably, if you think about it, people wouldn't want that for themselves because, you know, overly positive thinking, you know, can be quite problematic in itself. Um, yeah, well, if so there's a hole in my staircase and I, if there's a hole in my staircase, I want to just <laughs> think, oh, that's not really a hole. Well, you know, I'm going to fall into some problems. That's so. an amazing hole. I can draw that. I can, <laughs> yeah, I, I can. <laughs> it represents something to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, this is really positive. Well, well, probably it's, it's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, something else that, that it just, uh, I remember um, before seeing a picture online and it was of uh, some fellow walking with a banana on a string behind him somewhere in Dublin and someone was asking a question. I, you know, I seen this fellow walking along with a banana on a string today. Do you know, what's that about? And I think the question and or some of the comments were saying, oh, um, I think there's a, there's a CBT service around that area and you often see people walk around with bananas <laughs> and strings. And uh, I guess it's part of, you know, it's what we might call a behavioral experiment in CBT where sure. maybe he has a fear about, you know, the worst case scenario. What happens if I do something that's embarrassing? Oh, everyone will laugh at me. They'll stand and point at me. So then that person bravely did something that I'd find quite anxiety provoking and you know, they tested it out. What's the worst that happens? Yeah. And it also makes me think about the generalizability of CBT. If you can overcome walking around with a banana on a string. Who knows how that helps different areas of your life where you're not walking around with a banana on a string. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, it's funny how these things kind of pop into our minds as uh, as they're uh, uh, reminded of them. Um, yeah. If we could just come back, Emery, to the, the thought about, well, how do we get to know our, our these patterns? Um, you know, yeah. how does someone come to those uh, conclusions well that's a really important part of therapy because you know you start off with an awareness training okay well what is a thought and what is a feeling as 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 opposed to a thought and what's a physical sensation and then what do i do or what don't i do so you know if you just come back to that triangle you know we're we might spend a lot of time in therapy just writing that out and um i suppose the the written aspect of of therapy in cbt is quite important because it helps us to slow down it's a different medium you know thoughts can be quite rapid fire 
as can feelings and, and what we do. You know, we're doing stuff on autopilot. So we actually, you know, step back and, and work out together. Um, okay, what is going on here? And, and, and the written medium, you know, can really help to, to give a different perspective and, 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 and a distance. So you're not in it. You're looking at what, what's happening. Um, so that would be a, a, a starting point, really, to working out those connections, working out those patterns, deciding whether they are helpful or, you know, unhelpful, workable or not in, in a person's life. And I guess um, added to that, the homework aspect um, of CBT, uh, you know, yeah. can you tell me a little well, bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, once you've got those, I suppose, those those patterns worked out, um, then then the treatment is going to be where you're setting about breaking up those kind of those connections if they don't work. And, and the treatment, very broadly speaking, would would consist of um, not not changing thoughts as such because thoughts are automatic, but it would be about creating this different relationship with our thoughts with our internal world, you know, so that they're not really the boss of us if that's not helpful, you know. And and there are different ways that we can do that. We can kind of directly challenge the thought or we could find ways to just get distance from them. Um, you know, similarly with emotions, they're 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 automatically generated. Um, and actually sometimes it's just a, a lot of psychoeducation psychological education I mean you know to, to understand you know uh, our, our emotional uh, experiences as well so that we're less kind of afraid of of it and, and pushing against it and that they're, they're not feeding into to negative thinking patterns so much um, and then I suppose the the, the behaviors part of thing is, is is in some ways the easier aspect of, of treatment we can quite readily, or we've got a pretty good chance of being able to change what we do um, in our external uh, world. And I suppose when you put together a treatment plan with somebody based on, on that premise, then I suppose the homework aspect of, of CBT is going to be critical because this is about, okay, well, we, 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 we talk the talk and maybe do a little bit of the walk in the session, but take that out of the session and apply it to your life and it's going to be more meaningful isn't it you know so I mean I say to people well yes there is a homework aspect of of CBT and I know homework has got these kind of you know negative connotations but it's not school homework it's not graded it's not right or wrong every attempt at the homework is is a rich kind of resource in terms of um of learning um so, so sometimes I actively avoid the word homework and call it an assignment, you know, but, but invariably I go back to homework because that's what it is, you know, but it's practice, you know, it's real world practice. And um, from session to session, we will look together, the client and therapist will look together what happened when, when you, you try this out. Um, so yeah, it tends to be a, a pretty, it's very much connected to the change aspect. Mm. Of, of CBT. Which I think is something that's so important to know because I guess one of the reasons behind this um, podcast series is, you know, so that people know more about therapies and what to expect, what they are and what they aren't, so that they're getting the therapy that they want. 
Um, and when it comes to CBT, uh, you know, although it's probably the the most, this might be controversial, the most popular therapy out there, it's definitely probably the most well known at least, um, maybe not necessarily popular, but it is, uh, just because it's popular doesn't mean that people know a huge amount about it and they might be surprised that some of the um, things that may be expected of them when going to therapy or at least that are that uh, increase the chances of it being effective you know things like um focusing on the present as you say how our thoughts affect how we feel and what we do uh, understanding those cycles that we have uh, and being able to commit to that that homework because let's say you're working you know 60 hours a week and you've got a family and you've got a lot of commitments um it can be not necessarily that it would be impossible but you know it could be hard to be able to make those changes because with cbt the more you put into it the more you get out of it because you're really trying to change habits and at times very rigid beliefs that we have about mm -hmm. things that can it takes kind of repeated attempts to gather that information to be able to you know see that oh there's an alternative way of seeing this and an alternative way of doing things so i think it's really important for people to be prepared for that going into into therapy yeah, absolutely. That it, it isn't a passive um, therapy. And if that's what somebody wants, which, you know, could be really valid also, um, then maybe CBT wouldn't be for them. Um, that it is a bit of a stretch in terms of effort. Um, that it, it, is, it is kind of work, you know, um, and that maybe it's hard work at times, but, but that it's often very enjoyable work and very transforming work. I, I had a super... Mm, yeah, I had a supervisor for that told me, I think it was her supervisor told her and she told mm -hmm. me that um, a good CBT therapist isn't liked by their patients. Now, maybe not literally in the sense of the word, but they may be made feel, you know, when we're, we're working with someone to face those fears. You know, we're asking them to do things that in the short term, at least, can feel very scary and they might be put off by and it's not until they do them that they can appreciate the the, the benefits of them so not to put anyone off out there <laughs> i don't know that i would agree with that james <laughs> well i can see the angle that they're they're putting yeah know. yeah yeah um, i mean we're not in the business of torturing people <laughs> you know and we we do help people to to face their fears but if you're like you know if you're really clear in explaining the rationale people will be be very much up for that and um like we're we're often you know asking people for feedback so so and a lot of you know when we're asking people to face their fears it's in a it's in a really graded way it's in a way that's going to be really manageable and give somebody the best chance of 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 succeeding you know um and and so we ask we ask a lot of questions please be honest you know tell me what you think how manageable you know might that be for you um but I think it's, you know, there's often a, a real sort of, um, you know, an, an important kind of a aspect of, of, of therapy is, is of CBT therapy and any therapy is, is the therapeutic relationship. So, so there's going to be this level of trust and you're going to build towards, you know, asking people or suggesting um, those changes. And that's going to be based on this, this new and growing understanding that people are achieving from therapy of, of maybe what's contributing to their problem and what could maybe help to uh, to, to unravel it. Mm. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point. As you say, it's, it's like built on the foundations of having a trusting relationship with the person, your therapist, um, understanding uh, the cycles that you're going through, understanding maybe how they're obstacles to where you do want to be, and keeping in mind that it's not all anxiety and uh, fear facing them. It also comes with lots of rewards, you know, how things could be different um, should you, uh, you know, reach that, those goals. And I guess on that point, um, you know, we've spoken a little bit so far about kind of getting a general idea of what CBT is, so how our thoughts affect how we feel and what we do. Um, and we look at how, what kind of cycles are we maybe stuck in at the moment and, you know, get to understand them and maybe set homework to try and break those cycles. But I guess one thing we've maybe haven't touched upon yet is the kind of the goal orientated aspect of CBT, how you're working towards something. Yeah. One way that I liken it is at the start, we're kind of finding point A, you know, that's where you are now. That's the cycles you're going through now. Well, what's point B? You know, what are we working towards um, with these sessions? Do you want to tell me a little bit about your understanding and your take on goals in CBT? Yeah, well, that yeah, it's very much connects to, you know, well, what do you want to achieve from therapy? What changes do you want to make? So if I was working uh, with you, James, in, in relation to the, the example that you shared earlier, you know, we might then uncover lots of examples where you, you are avoiding your colleagues at work because you are assuming that they're maybe not thinking so well of you or they don't have a, a high regard of you. And then then this this become, then becomes entrenched and this becomes a problem and it's affecting your mood and you're getting anxious and it's affecting your performance and your productivity. Um, so we might sort of decide that, well, one of your goals, um, and obviously, you know, it's, it's best that you know, this is going to come from you. This is going to be generated by you once you understand this pattern is that you don't want to avoid your colleagues anymore, you know. So you want to start going for coffee with them again, for instance, or Zoom coffee, or, you know, you want to be able to ask a question, um, you know, when, when, when it might be really helpful to, to reach out. So that could be a really specific goal. And, and to make it really honed and really specific, you might decide, well, every Thursday, because that's the day that, you know, um, Marie goes for coffee or, you know, um, you know, some of the others are going for coffee. Well, we go for coffee maybe four times a week, but I'm going to start off with, with, with joining them on Thursday because it's a, it's a smaller group. Um, so that could be a really specific goal that's very measurable. Um, that would be very typical in, in a CBT treatment. And that structure is also quite typical of CBT, isn't it? You know, structured sessions, maybe you set an agenda at the start of the day. Uh, there's certain things you hope to cover, which is part of a larger structure being, you know, where you are, where you're trying to get towards and the things you implement between those sessions to get there. Um, yeah. which I guess is quite a big part of CBT is that structure, which in ways it can be restricting, but there's also a lot of liberation that comes with that restriction. I think, you know, it really yeah. helps you um, know where you're going. Uh, and there's something about having more concrete goals, I think, rather than some abstract that uh, it's conducive to achieving your goals. Like, let's say I want to train for a marathon, say, OK, I'm going to get really fit. You know, I don't really know where to go with that. Whereas if I want to train for a marathon, how could I make that specific? Okay, well, I'm going to run two kilometers on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'm going to up it to four kilometers uh, on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. And, you know, you kind of set that framework to kind of work towards in the short, medium and long term. 
Um, and I think there's something about setting goals that setting specific goals alone helps reduce anxiety because you have a plan. You're no longer, life is no longer like kind of this unknown chaos. You know where you're going and, yeah. you know, that's quite comforting. Absolutely. You know, because you can start to achieve goals pretty much straight away. You know, pretty much straight away from session to session, another goal is achieved. And that's really encouraging. Um, and that builds on, on, on uh, you know, the, the confidence in, in the, the working relationship um, between the, the, the therapist and, and, and the client that, that something is really happening here. You know, change is being achieved. And I think you're right. You know, the agenda aspect of things is, is really important because, I mean, I like it because it, 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 it represents, you know, best use of time. This time is precious that we have this one hour a week for however many weeks, you know, how are we going to get the best use of, of this, of this time? And, and how are we going to, to thread together, you know, session to session, you know, what is happening in this whole process, in this whole treatment, so that it becomes a kind of a complete, it's a treatment episode, if you like, um, and um, so, yeah, the, the, the use of the um, agenda helps us to do that. You know, let's summarize, you know, what happened last week. Let's check in with your mood, for example, might be on the agenda. Um, let's let's do a little bit more about what, how we can challenge thoughts. Let's review your, your homework. Let's set uh, a new homework exercise would be a really typical kind of agenda, um, you know, for, for you know, a, a regular CBT session. And, and agenda items are, you know, uh, come from both the therapist and, and the, the client. Mm. Mm. And that's, a, I think that's a really important aspect of um, CBT and maybe other therapies, I'm sure other therapies too, is the collaboration side of things. You know, you've mentioned already it's not a passive therapy. You know, it's something that go for it. You know, if you're going for CBT therapy, go all in because the more you put into it, it's a real cliche, but the more you get out of it because, I mean... The term cliche something becomes a cliche when we say it so much that it kind of loses its power so it needs to be reinvigorated a little bit but the more you put into it literally if, if you find working with someone they come back with a lot of homework i get to know their problem a lot better they get to know their problem a lot better and there's it gives us so much to work with you know we got and we can think okay well where's their patterns here and um, where do we start what can we work with this one that will apply to all these other ones um, I, I guess just to kind of summarize so far, Emery, so if someone was going for CBT, they'd be looking at how our thoughts, feelings and behaviors interact with each other in the present, um, uh, that sessions are kind of structured, um, uh, you'd be looking to work towards a goal, so look to maybe challenge some of those beliefs and change some of those behaviors um, and be setting homework to implement those changes and uh, maybe any obstacles that come up during the week or you know any of those successes as well and one way that i kind of liken it an analogy that i don't want to plagiarize anyone but i do think i came up with it myself is uh i describe it like um it's kind of like a game of chess that there's lots of moves that you can make with cbt there's lots of things you can do but it's still constricted it still have its limitations and some of those limitations are it being you know kind of present focused goal orientated change based do you agree with that now or do you feel that is maybe doing well that kind of pretty much sums it up you know 
you know, yeah, so I'm thinking of, of that, that metaphor, you know, that you're not going to veer too much off the board. <laughs> Those are the parameters of, of the board, I guess. Yeah. Um, it It is present focused. I suppose I would just, you know, say that with some clients, I, I might spend more time, you know, uh, you know, looking at, at historical experiences. Um, but again, it's all about how they, uh, I suppose, I- I impact on, on the present. Um, there's something called form- formulating, if you like, in, in CBT. And that's like working out with the client in the early stages um, what made them vulnerable to, you know, developing anxiety uh, related issues or, or mood related issues. Um, because that can be really quite normalizing, quite helpful. Um, but we don't spend too too much time in the past. We do move kind of quickly to to the present. And but the the other thing about about CBT that's quite kind of interesting and 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 helpful is that we really don't need to know the why to be able to help somebody. You know, um, for many clients, you know, it's it's really kind of quite straightforward. You know, in in terms of understanding, you know, why they might have, have developed this particular problem. And for others, it, it's not. It's not that clear. Um, but actually, it doesn't matter. You know, we can still help that person. You know, so you go go into the present. You go into, well, what does this problem look like? What's maintaining it? This is our focus. Um, and so I like know, that at CBT. And, and on that point, I think sometimes CBT can be criticized because, oh, it's, it's just looking at the symptoms rather than the root of the problem and i'm not sure that maybe sometimes there might be some truth to that but you know a lot of times i think those maintaining factors maintain the problem and if you can if you can manage them then the problem can become resolved so you know let's say someone who is say kind of social anxiety you know they fear of being negatively judged by others and you know resulting in maybe alienation and because of that, you know, they avoid social situations or they endure, endure them with a lot of anxiety and use lots of what we call safe behaviours. You know, um, they might not say much or they might say too much, you know, for fear of coming across as boring. And if you can work on those cycles and get them to look at things they can change and thoughts they can challenge, you know, then that, that deep-rooted belief about the fear attached uh, or the consequences of making mistakes or whatever it might be in social situations you know, that can be shifted and, you know, the problem can be resolved. So those main, those cycles in the present can very much be perpetuating um, the problems from the past. Absolutely. Mm. You know, um, but, I, but I, I would just add there that, you know, I, I think in CBT, you know, there is an identification of the root cause. Um, but usually the person coming for CBT therapy because they'll, they'll mostly have done just a little bit of research on the internet or whatever, have an idea what it's about. They're usually coming to us not because they want to dwell on that. That's really not their interest. Um, they're usually telling us, I don't know if this is your experience, that, that they want to move on. They want to, things to be different in the now. So, yes, we point to you know the, the, the causes or what's contributed, um, but, but that's not really what why why people are, are coming to us the, the the analysis or the processing of, of that so much but that can happen too and yeah I, I, absolutely people can yeah. connect the dots yeah yeah and that's i guess the power of talking about things it helps yeah. piece things together 
And I guess just one caveat to that is that I guess there are some instances where we might go back to the past. I'm thinking of uh, PTSD, you might do some reliving. So you might go through um, events from the past where you kind of go through them again in the present. And also with imagery scripting, which can be used for kind of a range of anxiety disorders. Um, So that's where you relive maybe a significant event from the past as if you're doing it now. So in the first person Mm -hmm. and you do it a couple of times uh, by your own perspective and the perspective of a healthy adult. And then you a third time from the perspective of you with the help of that healthy adult. So not to go into it in too much detail, but I guess there are there is room um, if it seems appropriate and if that person is interested, you can touch on the past, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that is very true. Actually, that's very specific kind of work, to, as you say, to to, to PTSD, um, and um, well, not just PTSD because, as you say, the imagery rescripting can relate to anxiety, um, different types of anxiety also. So yeah, um, again, you would explain the rationale that you know going back into the past is really about trying to access and update um, certain conclusions you made in relation to those past events that have kept you stuck in that particular memory. Um, so you go back in order to, to move forward. So yeah, that would be a kind of a nice example of when we very specifically might go back to to event very kind of uh, far, far back in, in, into the history of uh, of the client's life, yeah. I was wondering if we could spend a bit of time thinking about uh, what kind of problems um, CBT is suitable for. You know, what are some presentations, diagnoses, whatever word you might want to use for them. Um, what kind of things might someone uh, be experiencing that CBT might help alleviate? Well, very typically, I mean, CBT started off as a, as a treatment for, for depression initially um, kind of developed in the 1950s and and, and formulated as a, as a treatment in the, in the 70s um, and and today it's got a really really broad um, application but I suppose um, I would normally describe it as a really good treatment for anything that relates to to mood issues or anxiety issues um, so if you think of the anxiety disorders like you know you it's 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 really good for treating panic with or without agoraphobia it's really good for treating specific phobias ptsd um ocd um it, it, it's better at treating some disorders as compared with with others just you know from from the data um but generally speaking, it, it gets good results for, for anxiety-related problems and also for uh, for depression. It's a very, very specific treatment for depression. Um, I guess one thing that might be helpful for our listeners to know is that, um, as you said, you know, it's been developed over the past 60 or so years uh, and a, so much research has been put into it and which has helped it become, I guess one reason why it's also... Be, had so much research is that it's manualized well a, a lot of the the disorders you know it'll have a treatment protocol so for health anxiety you know there's a couple of different protocols or for social anxiety um or for generalized anxiety um which is uh, uh i guess it can be useful to um be aware of that you know that these are have been 
kind of really well researched and um, through you know thousands of hours of research they've seen the similar kind of patterns that emerge and that these treatments seem to target those specific problems so although a bit earlier we spoke about kind of more broadly what cbt is like you say more generically the thoughts the um uh, emotions and our behaviors there are uh disorder specific protocols you know that help target specific components of a of a presentation yeah and um, uh that is, I suppose, it really inspires confidence, I suppose, for, for me as a therapist, I guess, and, and for clients to know that, um, you know, you're not winging it when you walk into, uh, you know, or, or, or when you start a, um, a, a treatment um, of CBT. It, it, you are going to be working with somebody who whose training um, is is related to, um, evidence-based treatment protocols that are often disorder specific that have been trialed and trialed using the most expensive of research approaches um, and um, have been shown they've got to prove their merit they've got to demonstrate that that they work and so so that's part and parcel of our training as, as therapists that that we are okay with and familiar with these treatment protocols um, that we have this confidence I guess that you know um, using this approach very specifically or, or quite broadly sometimes um, gets results mm. and I guess uh, that comes to mind because if anyone is listening and thinking oh well if it's just our thoughts and how I feel and behaviors well I can do it in my own time you know I can start to think of what thoughts come up and uh, how I feel and what I do but there can be such a uh, subtle things that we mightn't be as aware of that those protocols can you know help shine a light on when it comes to let's say you know social anxiety kind of increased self-focus um something that we mightn't be aware of but uh generally if we experience social anxiety when we're in social situations our attention goes from being external to internal and then that can cause a lot of problems when we um let's say don't pick up on what someone else is saying or we maybe have a, an image of how we're coming across or we really focus on geez my cheeks feel a bit red maybe i maybe i'm coming across like i'm really anxious and um, so that's just one example but there is really for every type of kind of those common mental health problems um uh, there is protocols designed to fit those uh, idiosync idiosyncratic presentations yeah um Look, I, I think, you know, um, self-help has its place, definitely. Um, but usually people that you and I see and, and that, that come to therapy generally have, have done quite a bit of that themselves. And it's, it's just not enough and they need, they need some help um, and they need some expert guidance. Um, and so we keep them in treatment for, um, that sounds like a hostage situation actually, <laughs> they sign up for treatment for a number of weeks um always with the goal you know the ultimate goal is that they won't need us anymore um because you know there's this phrase that we use you know become your own therapist um but really what we want people to we want to kind of impart our knowledge so that they're really familiar with the processes um that that you describe let's let's say in, in social anxiety you know, why do I feel so anxious when again and again I expose myself to these really tricky situations? Well, well, probably what we can help 
um, you know, clients with is, is this understanding that actually they're quite avoidant in the social situation because they're paying attention and they're basing their, they're paying attention to uh, what, what's going on in, internally and they're, they're judging their performance on, on that. And, and, and that keeps them kind of, um, it keeps the anxious problem going in, in social situations. So that's kind of hard to figure out, perhaps on your own. And it's, it's hard to figure out anyway when you're anxious because, um, you know, anxiety can impair learning. Um, so, so coming to therapy is, is all about, you know, um, you benefiting from the knowledge that the therapist has, that the therapist will pass on that knowledge to you um, that you learn, that you then use and apply uh, to feel better and that you continue to use in your life, perhaps, to manage the, the problem. So, so often it's not a, you're finished when you're, you're six weeks or you're 12 weeks or however many weeks are over, but you continue to use this knowledge, you continue to apply the techniques um, in your life, you know, generally. Mm. Yeah, I think that's such an important uh, phrase that you say, you know, to become your own therapist, because uh, that's what you're kind of hoping for, that as a therapist, your role becomes defunct, that, you know, well, you know that now, and sometimes it's just a passage of time, you know, it's that's like the missing ingredient, so... Sometimes, let's say you have your first few sessions, they might be weekly, but then maybe towards, as you get into uh, things or closer towards the end of therapy, maybe you space them out a little bit more so that people have more time to put those those techniques into place and, you know, become their own therapist. Yeah. And as you say, it's a, it's a short-term therapy, you know, by and large. Um, mm. It is a short-term therapy. It can be anything up to 20 weeks. It could be a four-week you know, um, uh, treatment uh, episode. Um, I encourage people to record their sessions, um, and that could be a homework. Uh, I, I suppose uh, a task to listen back to, to the session because I'm a little bit anxious in the session. A session I'm going to, you know, listen back to it when I'm feeling more relaxed. Or probably going to get more from it. And sometimes people say that, oh, I I I think I got more from the the recording than I did from the session. And that, 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 that often makes sense. Um, and those recordings, I guess, and <clears throat> what, what we do at the end of a treatment is something called blueprinting or like a relapse prevention plan. And it really is like pulling together um, everything that, that, that happened in, in the therapy, what was useful, what worked, what do I need to keep doing, what do I need to be mindful of? Um, so that you've got this blueprint, I guess, for for moving forward, um, and so, so yeah, it, it 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 is it's a brief therapy, but but what what you glean, what what a person kind of takes from CBT, um, then continues beyond uh, those number of weeks for sure. That, that, that's quite quite important. Mm, yeah, no, that, that's that's lovely, and it is it it can be you know sometimes you might see someone for one or two sessions and. Just a psychoeducation, as which is maybe a bit of uh, CBT jargon, um, you know, where you just help them understand their problem. Then yeah. it, you know, they have a light bulb moment. Something clicks, and you're like, oh gosh, I, I know what that is now, and I know what to do. Yeah. Maybe most prominent, say, panic. You know, you might see someone with panic, and they really think that they're going to have a heart attack, or that, um, you know, these phys these physical symptoms they experience in certain situations is indicative of a 
some kind of really serious illness but you kind of help understand the fight or flight response and how that misinterpretation of that can lead us to feel even more anxious and have an even a greater physiological response and sometimes just knowing that it's like wow do you know that can that can be the difference yeah. which is so nice to see yeah working with panic and you know there, there there are certain presentations where you know you can just see the change happening before your eyes and again uh, often with with this new information it's like a new understanding you know so this feared physical catastrophic event is actually quite benign it's actually not going to harm me at all well, wow you know that's going to make a massive difference to my life i don't need to be so cautious out and about anymore or you know i've i've run up and down the stairs with the therapist however many times or up and down marble street in cork and my heart is pounding out of my chest and so i know that when this happens because this is, you know, it feels like this in a panic attack, but this isn't dangerous. You know, this is part of my fight-flight response. You know, so, so yeah, there can be sort of those moments um, where something just falls into place for, for the person. Um, and and, and, and that, that's, that's really wonderful to see. Uh, and it makes for very satisfying work. Mm, it does. No, and that's, uh, that's one thing that I'm never short on is uh, appreciation for the work that we uh, are able to do, you know, that it's very challenging and very rewarding and um, to be able to help people in that manner is, uh, yeah, it's a real gift. Um, but that is all the time we have for today, Emery. Um, lovely speaking to you and I really appreciate you offering up your time today. Yeah, we could talk and talk, James, couldn't we? Mm. No, yeah. I'm sure there's so many tangents came to mind where I felt like I had to keep reeling myself in. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope uh, that our listeners have a, a, a better understanding of exactly what CBT is and what it isn't. Um, and, that, you know, that will help them if they choose to seek it out or just have a better understanding in general. But uh, thanks again, Emery, and uh, I'm sure I'll speak to you soon. You're welcome, James. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye.